0: At woodside bible church we gather each week to pursue god by studying his word together today we invite you to look deeper into first peter tuning into our current series unshakable steadfast hope in an unpredictable world join us as we allow god's word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel
1: well today you're in for a treat i get a chance to introduce to you guys a good friend of mine It was a little bit over a decade ago that I got a chance to meet today's speaker, Arun Andrews. Arun was born in southern India, a Christian part of India. He was raised there. Later on, he got a chance to work for Dr. Ravi Zacharias. And it was through Ravi that Arun and I met, both having a passion for God's people and to see people come to know Jesus. Uh, Since that time, Arun has come to move Uh, to the U.S., along with his awesome wife, Miriam, uh, to uh, serve at a local church in Pennsylvania, New Cumberland, Pennsylvania, Trinity United Methodist Church there, where he served uh, since 2014. Uh, We have a lot of connections with Arun. He's spoken here for Pastor Doug a couple of times. They're good friends uh, as well. His sister, Arun's sister, Uh, Asha goes here, today's her birthday, and uh, she goes here along with her husband, Arvind, and we also support his brother Ashok, uh, who's in India as well, as one of our missionaries, one of our Woodside missionaries. So a lot of relational ties, uh, but I love my brother's heart for the word, and I believe you're going to be richly encouraged. So can you today help me by giving a big Woodside welcome to brother Arun Andrews as he comes at this time. Amen. Thank you. Thank, you.
0: Thank, you. Thank you. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. I bring you warm greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I just want to say it's a true privilege to be with you, Pastor Chris and Yodit and your family. And as I said this morning, since I met Pastor Chris the first time, I've held him in respect and love for his passion for God and his ministry unto his gospel. This morning, I want to take a moment to bring you greetings from the good people at Trinity United Methodist Church in New Cumberland, Pennsylvania. It's a privilege to be with uh, Miriam today. Pastor introduced her to you. Miriam, would you just stand so that we can especially welcome you? It's so good to have Miriam with us. Our son's back in Pennsylvania and our daughter is here. She was with us at the first service. I want to bow with you in a moment of prayer, please. Lord, you've quietened us, you've refreshed us. You've brought us to that place of worship in which we can say, Lord, this is another act of worship where I long to listen to you. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It seems three sons left home, prospered, and then they regathered when they began to speak about the gifts that they sent to their elderly mother. The first one said, well, I built mom a beautiful home. The second one said, well, I sent her a Mercedes with a driver to go with it. The third boy smiled and said, guys, I beat you to it, I think. You know mom, you know she loves reading the Bible, and you also know she has great trouble with her vision these days. So guess what I did? I sent her a colorful parrot that can recite the entire Bible. It took 20 monks in a monastery 12 years to teach him. I had to pledge $10,000 every year for 10 years for that parrot. And guess what, mom's gonna love it because she's just gotta mention the book, the chapter, and the verse, and the parrot will speak that scripture to her. Soon thereafter, mom sent out her letters of thank you. Milton, she wrote the first son, the house you built was too large. I have only one room that I really use, but I got to clean that whole house, my son. Marvin, she wrote the second boy, I'm old, my son, too old to travel, I stay home all the time, and by the way, I never use that Mercedes, and that driver, he's really far too rude. Dearest Melvin, she wrote to her third son, you were the only son who had the good sense to know what your mother likes. The chicken was delicious. I hope you're enjoying the taste of God's Word in this series from the Book of 1 Peter. And I would offer you some good Indian chicken curry, but I'm called to be the preacher and not the chef this morning, so I'll get along with my job. But here we are looking at a series titled Unshakeable. Do you like that title? Would you say that with me, Unshakeable? Let's say that again unshakable what a powerful title as believers in Jesus Christ we can be unshakable through the storms through the trials through the transitions through the valleys through the moral dilemmas and even when we face the attacks of the evil one how can we be unshakable the scripture tells us in Psalm 125 verses 1 and 2 those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem so the Lord surrounds his people my friend this morning we don't stand in our own strength we stand surrounded by his presence we are not unshakable because of what we possess we are unshakable because of the one who possesses us therefore the psalmist will say in 16 I have always set the Lord before me because he's at my right hand I will not be shaken maybe some Somebody wants to say amen to that because we are unshakable because of the Lord we trust in. In Psalm 46, the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. That's right, in trouble. Thanks for filling in the gap, in trouble. And when he chose that word in the original language, scholars will tell you he had 21 words to choose from. But the word he chose actually means to be in a really tight spot and this morning maybe there's somebody listening who's in a really tight spot and you're saying God even here I will be unshakable because you are my refuge and my strength my ever-present help in trouble yes in a world where we see the certainty of uncertainty we can set our eyes upon him who never changes in a world in which the moral canvas no longer has black and white but many shades of gray we can still be the people of the light in a world in which the push and the pull of cultural overtones can threaten to silence the message we have we can still declare thus said the Lord. My friend, we remain unshakable. And even as you think about it, the message was sent by Peter. He was writing to a scattered people. How do we know this? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 these are the words we have. Listen to verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Why were these people scattered? They were scattered because of the persecution that had come across their way. As Peter was writing these words, he was probably anticipating even more persecution as the Roman Empire and their emperor Nero will clamp down on Christians. Christians were persecuted because they couldn't go with the tide of emperor worship and the tide of the cultural pulls and the religious pulls of the day. Peter himself would be challenged and later martyred for his faith in Jesus. How did these early Christians respond under pressure? They stood strong. They stood unshakable. They stood uncompromising to the gospel that had changed their lives. While their homes were being touched and they were being pushed out, while their kids were missing their social circles and getting relocated, where job opportunities were slipping out of their fingers, but they were finding new ones, these people stood unshakable in the light of God and what he had done for them my friend even today there are believers across the world who are persecuted for their Christian faith I remember being in a radio interview some years ago and the interviewer asked me this question you're somebody who travels between the east and the west What do you see as the pressure the Eastern church faces versus the pressure the Western church faces? And I remember saying to the one who was interviewing me, I think the Eastern church faces a lot more of persecution. The Western church faces a lot more of seduction. And we need to ask, what is making better disciples? I'll never forget meeting this young man. I was about in my, uh, maybe my 10th grade myself when I first met this young man. And here he was coming to Christ from another faith. He passionately loved God and his parents discovered this Christian faith and said to him, you will not read the Bible, you will not go to church activities, you will not participate with anything Christian. And then they discovered that he began to spend longer times in the restroom and became suspicious of his restroom time. On a certain day when the young lad was at school his dad searched the restroom and found that this young boy had put a gideon's new testament in a wedge above the water heater in that restroom he was reading his bible even as he was being pressured that evening when he got back home his dad had that bible in his hand and before this young man he ripped every page of that new testament and burned it and said you will not read this book again the young lad calls a friend and says you know what you've got a bible i know you're a christian i know would you please carry that bible and bring it every morning so that i can read it while waiting for the bus to arrive and so he sat on a rock at a bus stop reading his bible every morning until one morning he found the shadow of someone over the book and as he looked up he found his dad pull him by the scruff of his neck and beat him publicly and said you will no longer read this book my friend as i'm narrating this to you is your heart thinking about the many bibles that you have at home someone said if all the christians in the world picked up all the bibles they don't read and blew there'll be a pretty decent dust town but think about it, are you passionate about the Scriptures? I think it's Dr. Warren Wirsby who said that the Bible is not so much at risk on account of its enemies as much as on account of the indifference of its friends. Would you want to refresh your love for God's Word this morning? Last week, Pastor Chris Brooks focused on being God's kind of people. He highlighted three words, identity, purpose, and direction. The text was from 1 Peter chapter 2. It reminded us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a a people belonging to God. Why? So that we can declare the glory of the one who brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. This morning please turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2 I'm reading the verses of our focus today verses 11 and 12 let me read that for you from the English standard version beloved I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evil doers they may see your good deeds and glorify whom glorify God on the day of visitation. What's the title of this message? The title of this message is Exiles Within the World. We'll be focusing on two challenges this morning. Let me get to challenge number one. Challenge number one is this. There's a battle within you that you must win. Do you agree with me? There's a battle within you that you must win. Peter is saying in verse 12, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain. Abstain from what? Abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Yes, my friend, there's a battle within us. Do you feel the pressure of the enemy within you? Do you struggle with unbridled passions of the flesh? Do you see the ugly head of ugly show up when your patience is tested or your rights are infringed upon do you spout words that are an embarrassment to your testimony and can't be found in any christian songbook i don't know what your journey is like friend but god knows maybe you're a believer right now and you're worshiping here or online Or maybe you're somebody, a friend brought to church. Or you just stumbled upon this service online. It was the American writer Muriel Rakesa who said that the universe is not made of atoms, it's made of stories. I love that. And as you think about her words, think about Jesus, he told a lot of stories. And this morning, I quickly want to get to one of them. In Luke chapter 15, the Lord Jesus said in verse 11, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living do you understand what that young man did he was in a sense saying dad i really don't mind seeing your mugshot in tomorrow morning's arbitrary section of the local newspaper because in that first century context a son would normally inherit his father's estate only when his son di- when the father dies the young man was probably a man who would asked and pushed and asked for his wealth. As the father had tried to prevail upon him, he had the right to refuse, but didn't have the heart to refuse. And so I imagine that father carrying that bag of wealth, going somewhere into his tent and bowing down before God and saying, God, I don't mind losing this bag of wealth, but please, I don't want to lose my son. And uh, maybe there is a father, a mother, a grandfather, a grandmother. Today, your heart is aching and broken because of that boy, that girl you've loved so much. And they've wandered far away from the Lord. This morning, the heart of God comes compassionately to you. It reaches out to you. But get back to Jesus' story. you find the young man didn't lose any time. He packed his bags, picked up his flight to the longest distance he could make if he was living in today's world. He's made his way to his Las Vegas, his Amsterdam, his Phuket Beach, his Thailand dream experience. He's out there in the pursuit of pleasure. Please listen to what the Bible further says about the choices he made. The Bible says he went off to a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. When pleasure is the wind in your sails, you don't care if you're sailing to the edge of the Niagara. Listen to that again. If pleasure is the wind in your sails, you don't care if you're sailing to the edge of the Niagara. That's why sometimes a man walks out of a beautiful marriage because he saw something that he thought he didn't see in the one god gave him that's why you find young people go into abuse and brokenness just because they're trying to find something else because the winds and the sails are all pulling you through and you're headed to the fall in the niagara but you don't feel it in your soul as this young man is going every step every mile he's walking away from home he's saying goodbye to you lousy dad mom control freak people authoritarian teachers you painful law enforcement people here i come tomorrow i come free to do my own thing this young man would soon discover that the pursuit of happiness at the expense of the pursuit of holiness will only end in emptiness the pursuit of happiness at the expense of the pursuit of holiness will only end in emptiness Years ago, the British pop duo Eurythmics sang these words. Sweet dreams are made of these. Who am I to disagree? I travel the world in the seven seas. Everybody is looking for something. Some of them want to use you. Some of them want to be used by you. Some of them want to abuse you. And some of them want to be abused. In the book of Genesis, we read the story of Abraham and his nephew Lot. Lot parted company from his uncle Abraham and made it on his own. The Bible tells us in Genesis 12 that while Abraham chose to live in the land of Canaan, Lot chose to live among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near the Sin City of Sodom. Two men, Abraham and Lot, Two destinations, Canaan and Sodom. Two different endings, triumph and tragedy. The Bible tells us that Lot not only pitched his tent near Sodom, it tells us in Genesis 14, 12, that he ended up living inside Sodom. And my friend, the biblical narrative will help us to see that in the end, in a true moral sense, Sodom was living inside Lot. This morning, if you're listening, and that's where you are, God is trying to reach out to you. It was Dr. Warren Wisby who said something about Israel's wandering. He said it took God one night to take Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to take Egypt out of Israel. It took one night to take Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to take Egypt out of Israel sometimes we play too close to the fire there's a rebellious part in us it causes us to sway from spiritual plumb lines causes us to break away from our moral moorings causes us to put ourselves far too out far too wrong and far too close to the fire the young man in Jesus's parable did just that my friend this morning is there a rebellious heart inside of you is there a wandering heart inside of you is there a struggling heart inside of you that God is reaching out to there's a battle within you Peter speaks to it 1 Peter 1:14. as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance 1 Peter 2 1 so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander 1 Peter 4:2. live for the rest of time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of God yes the battle is on but the question is how can we win this battle Maybe you've tried this before. You've said to yourself, I'll refrain. I'll abstain. You've said, I won't do that again. I won't say that cursed word again. I won't be physically violent again. I won't throw those temper tantrums again. I won't be selfish again. I won't watch pornography again. The list goes on and on, my friend. But let me tell you this. You and I will never win this battle by the power of our own resolutions. We can only win it by the power of God's revelation. Leaning on His Word, you can win the battle. Leaning on His Word, you can win the battle. Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against Thee. An old preacher said, Thy word the best book in all the world. My heart, the best place in all the world. That I might not sin against thee, the best purpose in all the world. Would you remember that even the Lord Jesus used scripture when he was confronted by Satan and when Satan sought to tempt him? It is written, it is written, it is written. Lean upon the scriptures. A second thing I find in overcoming the battle within me is to lean upon the spirit of God. Please notice in Romans 8:5, the Bible says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. Did you hear the emphasis is in the battle in your mind? Because you find Paul is saying the mind is important. Sometimes in meditation, they talk to you about the removal of your mind, but in the scripture, we read in Romans 12 1, of the renewal of your mind as you think about it there's a battle in your mind I believe it was Josh McDowell speaking to a group of young people he asked them to think of the most powerful sexual organ that a human being possesses and even as the mind began to race Josh McDowell says don't think too far the most powerful sexual organ a human being possesses is your mind this morning is there a battle inside your mind Satan's trying to get that edge in you'll win when you lean upon the scriptures you'll win when you lean upon the spirit of God as your pastor Stephen really says being a witness for Christ begins with faith and continues as you walk in step with his spirit please listen to this trying to overcome temptation by your own willpower is like trying to stop an oncoming 18-wheeler with your bare hands But trying to overcome temptation by the power of the scriptures and the power of the Holy Spirit is like stopping that 18-wheeler by the power of a red light. And that red light came on at Calvary, when God's Holy Son died so that we can live. Beloved, this morning, the Lord is there to help us. That's why at the cross, Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Remember, he said that because he was telling the Father, Father, sin has been paid for. Satan has been defeated. The gates of glory have been opened wide. The hymn writer John Bode in the hymn, O oh Jesus, I have promised, speaks these words to us that capture the struggle within and without. Oh, let me feel thee near me, the world is ever near. I see the sights that dazzle, the tempting sounds I hear. My foes are ever near me, around me and within. But Jesus, draw thou nearer and shield my soul from sin. Is that your prayer this morning as you look at the battle within? Let me move to the battle outside and then bring this message to a close. Challenge number two is there's a battle outside you that you must win. When I'm talking about the battle outside, please notice, we're not talking about the U.S. presidential election, by the way. But let me say this to you about the presidential election. Yes, the election depends on our votes, but the future depends on the Lord. You can say an amen to that. That's right. And, And as I think about it today, as I think about this challenge of the battle within and the battle outside, Peter in the first part was telling us what we must resist. Now he's telling us about what we must reflect. Please notice verse 12. He says, live such good lives, such A plus lives. Live such good lives among the pagans that they, though they accuse you of doing wrong, may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In the first part of this message we heard about some of the negatives that we must avoid but now we're hearing about the positives that we must embrace verse 11 was about escaping from sin verse 12 is about engaging in society and as we read our Bibles we understand this that our belief must define our behavior That our doctrine must define our sense of duty, our theology must define our sense of ethic, and our convictions must define our character. But as you think about the encouragement, you also realize we're living in a world of constant tensions. The world says grab, God says give. The world says hate, God says love. The world says take revenge. God says forgive. There's a constant tension between the ways of a holy God and the ways of this fallen world. And in that context, Peter is telling us, you are called to live a life of love and of grace and of holiness. Please remember how he quoted from the book of Leviticus in 1 Peter 1.16. Peter says, God is saying to you, which side? God is saying to you, the people of his heart, be holy because I am holy. Max Lucado said it beautifully when he said, God is not holy. God is not holy, holy. God is holy, holy, holy. This morning, there's a call upon your heart and mine. It's a call to look at this battle outside and this battle inside and to live for God. When I'm looking at the battle outside, I can't help but think of all the wars in social media. Could it be possible, especially in this season of the elections, more Christians have lost their witness during this season by what they posted on their social media pages? Think about it. Does it really matter how we appear in society? Talking about appearances, I told my congregation some time back that hairstyling is like facing academic examinations. When you're young, it's multiple choice. When you're older, it's fill in the blanks. (laughs) Some people, in fact, ask me if I polish my bald spot. I say not yet, but I think today the lights in Woodside are truly helping me to shine. When I became 50 about five years ago, I told myself, be watchful, friend, be watchful. This is the season in your life that can be described like the economies of the world, recession in the hairline, inflation in the waistline, confusion in the timeline, but praise be to God, he's still writing my (laughs) storyline. But talking about social media, is this not a season in which social media accounts are crying out it's me it's me it's me oh lord standing in the need of another like another follower another big post Hey, this is the age of the selfie stick where you wanna be on top of that click, click, click. You wake up in the morning to the tweeting of tweets. By noonday, you're tripping on your Instagram feeds. You love it, you need it, you just wanna feed it. You try it, you do it, you just wanna make it. You're busy on that media fighting the clock. Facebook and Insta and one more TikTok. You love it, you need it, you just wanna feed it. You wake up to check if everybody sees it. One dislike and you feel like you blew it. The people who did it, they already And he knew it. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't it tragic that (laughs) (laughs) and we are consumed by the power of social media sometimes. Mothers in some countries have become so obsessed with online gaming that they left their infants starving and to die in the room next door. Predators are stalking kids and teenagers online, seeking to rob them of their innocence. Social media influencers with millions of followers feel like their life broke apart because of a few dislikes and they even end up With suicide and virtual depression it's not an easy world but it's this kind of a world in which Peter looks into the heart of the believer college student young kid older one senior he looks at you and says live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us During the time at which I was in college, a newly converted Christian shared his testimony, and he told the audience about how God changed him. He said, I became a Christian, and when I became a Christian, I stopped doing tobacco. I stopped doing drugs. I stopped doing alcohol. After the young man sat down, a fellow who was not a Christian asked, did Jesus only help you to stop things in your life? Did he not start anything new at all? that was a powerful question Peter seems to be saying live such good lives among those who do not understand your doctrine but who can assess your sense of duty those who may not agree with what you believe but who can actually see your behavior those who may not agree with your convictions but they can see your conduct The Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church says in chapter 2 verse 10 for we are God's workmanship created for good works in Jesus Christ things that God prepared in advance for us to do pause and think with me the word workmanship comes from the original which is the word for poetry. And if you're somebody with English literature specialization, you can listen to a line and say, that's a Frost line, Robert Frost, that's a Milton line, that's a Shakespeare line. What Peter is saying is, when people read the handwriting or the storyline of your life, may they see the handwriting of God through it. When people read the storyline of your life, may they see the handwriting of God through it. My friend, let me tell you this. Good works are never a means to salvation, but good works can express what salvation means to us. And that's why God calls Woodside Church, and we can be engaging in helping the needy when we work towards the dismantling of racial discrimination, when we support providing drinking water for people in need, when we bake a pie or a cake and send it out to some lonely neighbor, when we write a check to support a student through education, when we battle against human trafficking and pornography, when we smile, When we extend a loving hand, when the worship band and choir does what they do to add to our delight, we become salt, we become light, we become God's poetry, my friend. Mother Teresa is attributed to have said this, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Listen to that again. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. My friend, is God calling you today? Is He calling you to find victory? Victory in the battle within you and victory in the battle outside you. Please listen as I bring this message to a close with just a few lines and the last illustration for you. Let us not in the pursuit of happiness lose sight of the pursuit of holiness. And let us not in the pursuit of holiness lose sight of the pursuit of usefulness somebody said some christians are so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good you and i are called to live in that balance my friend let me close with this story for you it's the story of a young mother who was in her final term of pregnancy expecting to deliver her baby it was christmas eve in very cold south korea and the mother was headed out to walk and visit with a friend who was a missionary while she came to the last stretch of that walk she could see the missionary's home at the distance but what really separated her from there was a bridge that she had to walk across but as she came to the start of the bridge labor pains got a hold of her and she could walk no more she decided to get under the bridge and she gave birth to a lovely little boy as the temperatures began to drop for the night The young mother pulled out her clothes one at a time, and she began to wrap this little bundle of her joy and love. Finally, she took away all her clothes and wrapped the little boy. In the morning hours, the missionary went out in her Jeep, and as she returned, for some reason, her Jeep sputtered and stopped at the start of the bridge. She got off to examine what was wrong with the Jeep when she heard the cry of a newborn baby. Following that trail of voice, she reaches below the bridge and finds this little boy, cute little fellow, wrapped up nicely and warm, and beside him was the naked, cold, dead body of his mother. The missionary buried the mother, adopted the son, and made him her own. But when he grew up old enough to understand, the missionary mom told this boy, The story of his mother and how she saved him on the night of his birth when his 12th birthday was approaching the little boy told his missionary mom I want a favor from you on my 12th birthday I want to go very early in the morning I want to go and visit my mama's grave will you please take me and so they drove into the cemetery and when they came in view the boy said mom I'd like you to remain here I want to go there alone He got beside the graveside, stood there, and then took away his warm fuzzy cap and put it down. He unwrapped his shawl and put it down. He took his jacket one, sweater. He took his clothes one after the other away and he put it onto that gravestone. And even as the missionary mom was watching, she's saying, is he going to take away everything? Sure enough, he stood there taking all his clothes away, stark naked. And as he knelt before his mama's grave, she heard him cry, Mama, Mama, on that night when you saved me, was it this cold for you, Mama? Was it this cold for you? my friend every time you're tempted to watch that pornographic movie every time you're tempted to let jealousy fuel your soul every time you're tempted to cross the moral lines that God has placed within your heart and in his moral law would you look at the cross and say Jesus did it cost you this much to bring me this victory God and every time God speaks to you and says go out serve me do things for me reach out and you say no God I I don't want to look at that cross and raise your voice and say, Jesus, did it take so much for you to give me this salvation? This morning, I want you to bow your head with me in a moment of prayer. As we look to God and say God you're the one who are speaking to me maybe you're watching online maybe you're here this morning and the Spirit of God is speaking to you he's saying stop living like there's no victory my friend remember we're not fighting for victory we're fighting from victory the victory that Jesus won upon the cross for us is there a heart that's saying Lord I've I've just thought this struggle won't end I'm a contradiction Lord I come and sing praise and worship to you but when I go back I'm just a mess father you're speaking to me you're convicting me you're teaching me that I can seek truth in the innermost places this morning would you surrender your deepest struggle into the hand of God he loves you he will give you his victory by his living word and his Holy Spirit and maybe there's somebody here who's saying God I've never really tasted this love I've never really experienced Jesus Oh Lord I need him come into my heart Lord forgive me give me a new life here I am maybe you're listening online you're saying Jesus I've never prayed to you before but as I'm listening to this message I feel drawn would you give me a new start Lord Jesus if you're saying that he's listening to you and my friend may the Holy Spirit charge every believer here that we will go out into this world and live such good lives Among those who don't understand Christian terminology, but see the beauty of lives fashioned in the image of Christ. So Lord, we offer ourselves to you with gratitude and praise in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together.